So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting. And he said, I have a message for you, commander. And Yehu said, For which one of us? And he said, For you, commander. And then he arose and went into the house. And he poured oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. At this time, Joram, the son of Ahab, was the king of Israel. This was the dynasty of Omri, but this dynasty was about to come to an end. The next king would be Yehu, who would begin a new dynasty. Though Israel had abandoned God, God had not abandoned Israel. He still had the right to interfere among them. He could appoint and allow kings as he chose, either to bless an obedient Israel or to curse a disobedient nation, according to the terms of his covenant with them at Mount Sinai. This is the same today, according to the terms of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 9 in the book of 2 Kings. All right. Good evening. Let's open our Bibles to uh, 2 Kings chapter 9. I'm going to read through the first uh, probably 13 verses of this uh, chapter. But before we do that, I just want to back up a little bit to verse 25 of the previous uh, chapter just to kind of get us an idea of where we are at. Um, excuse me, uh, Israel, the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes, they are confederate now together and they are battling uh, the the Syrians up in um, Ramoth-Gilead, which is on the eastern side of the Jordan River, uh, quite a few miles over east of the Jordan River, and that area originally belonged to the tribe of Gad. Remember that in the very beginning, before the children of Israel came into the Promised Land, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they were very content, instead of going into the Promised Land, crossing the Jordan from the east, or from the east going west, um, they decided they were going to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River. So if you're looking at a map of Israel, and there's the Jordan River and the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, they were uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They were very content dwelling over here on the uh, other side of Mount Gilead, which is a, a mountain range on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And I don't know if you knew this, just this, this is free, by the way. What I'm going to share with you is free of charge. That whole area is a, a tectonic plate that uh, the Jordan Valley is actually on a, on a, on a fault line. <laughs> so if there's ever an earthquake, there's a lot of shaking going on right there at the center. So that's a fault line right between there. But, so these two armies, uh, 
Israel from the north and Judah and Benjamin from the south. They are confederate, um, and they're joining forces to go against a greater enemy, the Aramites, or the uh, Aram, Aram, however you want to call it, uh, which are the Syrians. Aram, A-R-A-M, that's equivalent to Syrian, okay? So they are going against them, and it really was something that the southern tribes, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, they should have never have gotten intertwined with the northern ten tribes. Um, and the, it always got them into trouble, and it certainly isn't helping them in their uh, idolatry, because we know that uh, the northern ten tribes never ceased from idolatry. From the very beginning, after the kingdom split, after Solomon had died, um, Rehoboam took over the southern two tribes, and Jeroboam, uh, the general of the army, took over um, the uh, northern uh, tribes. And the southern tribes, you know, the Judah and Benjamin, they only had like five really good kings, reformer kings, really good men, and really brought reform back to the children of Israel. In other words, when I say reform, I mean bringing them back to the word of God. Because today when you say reform, that can mean a lot of things. But back then it meant returning to the book, <laughs> returning to the Lord. But the northern ten tribes never did. They always uh, continued in their evil, and they never recovered. And God allowed them to go into captivity first by the Assyrians, as we know, in 722 B.C. And, uh, and it wasn't long, a uh, hundred some years afterwards, that... Uh, their brothers from the uh, south, Judah and Benjamin, they got taken away into captivity uh, into Babylon uh, beginning in 606, and ultimately Jerusalem was destroyed in 586. And they were out of their homeland for 70 years until God brought them back. Okay, and so, but tonight we're going to see um, some really interesting turn of events. So uh, let's just read in verse 25 of chapter 8, and then we'll just read through the uh, 13th verse of chapter 9. Notice it says in verse 25 of chapter 8, it says, In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. And Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. And he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. And now he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to war with Hazael, king of Syria, notice, at Ramoth-Gilead, the city on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And the Syrians wounded Joram, the king of Israel. So the king, Joram, went back to Jezreel to recover from his wounds and... and um, We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> um, to recover from his wounds, which the Syrians had inflicted on him at Ramah, when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehor or Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. Now in verse 9, so it's important that you know where we're at now. So now the, the, the two tribes, the, or the two uh, kingdoms really, are going to war against Syria over that piece of land, or that city, Ramoth-Gilead, that originally belonged to Israel. And the king of Syria took it unto himself, and that's why now they're trying to get it back. Does that make sense? So they're just trying to reclaim what was originally theirs. And so... 
uh, chapter 9, verse 1. So Elisha, the prophet, one of the sons of the prophets, Elisha, the prophet, called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, get yourself ready, take the flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Yehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. And then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and run for your life. (laughs) And don't delay. (laughs) Don't stay for lunch. Don't have tea and crumpets. Open the door and beat feet. Okay? So, So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. And when he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, commander. And Yehu said, For which one of us? And he said, For you, commander. And then he arose and went into the house, and he poured oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. And notice the commission. You might want to star this, uh, verse 7, because this is the commission of God to Yehu, this man. Here's the commission. (laughs) You shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord uh, at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. The dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door, and he fled. That's a really good idea. Because you've just stirred up a hornet's nest. The best thing to do is get on your Harley and get out of town. Make sure you've got a full gas tank, right? Then Yehu came out of the servants that excuse me, then Yehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, You know the man and his babble. And they said, A lie. Tell us now. So he said, Thus and thus he spoke to me, saying, Thus shalt, says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. And then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Yehu is king. Now, obviously, we're going to go through the rest of this. We're going to take communion tonight as well. But um, this chapter, we're going to see the development of the reign of Yehu, this man whom God had given a very uh, specific commission, um, and it was really for retribution. And God has the right to do that. Um, I'm glad that he doesn't call me to do that. Um, but back at, at this time, God had the right to, to uh, judge, and he still does today. He has the right when a nation or a people are going astray. He has the right to, uh, at certain times, uh, especially when that individual, when that nation, whatever it is, is no longer listening to God, God has the right to drop the hammer on that nation, to allow them to go into captivity, to allow them hardship. And um, he has that right. And he's going to use this man, Yehu, to be his, his hammer for uh, certain individuals. And uh, so we're going to see 
uh, the development of his reign, um, and, and he was first introduced back to us uh, back in First uh, Kings chapter nineteen, verse sixteen. You can read about him. That's where we first hear of him. But this chapter is going to wrap up the prophecies that the Lord had spoken to Elijah the prophet concerning Ahab, concerning his house, meaning concerning his his sons and his his the men in his uh, dynasty, if you will, and also his wife Jezebel. And it reminds me of a, a phrase that Joe uh, Lewis, a famous heavyweight boxer back in the day, uh, he made this quote. He says, you can run, but you cannot hide. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. I think even uh, Ronald Reagan said that. You can run, but you can't hide. And for all of the harlotry, for all of the idolatry, that Ahab and his wife, they were a dynamic duo. And the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that it was really Jezebel who led her husband astray. Now, he was no innocent man. He was complicit in it and willingly did it. But his wife was so bent on idolatry because her dad lived uh, up north of Israel. His name was Ethbaal. He was the king of, of Sidon, I believe it was, or Tyre. I think it was Sidon. And so uh, she grew up in a home that worshipped the devil. I mean, that's really what it is. The Bible tells us that anything other than God, anything else that you worship, there is a demon behind that thing. Because it's not God that you're worshipping. And anything that you are worshipping other than God is demonic, whether it looks nice or not. You can put a, uh, it could be a gold statue of Elvis, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's, a, it's a demonic entity that you're worshipping. There is a pull for the natural man to worship that which he can see with his own eyes, right? Because the mantra of today is, show me, show me. You know, if you live in Missouri, the show me state, show me and then I'll worship it. Well, God, you may not see him physically right now, although he did walk the earth for 30 years physically as a man. But because of all the idolatry, God is, it's going to catch up to and, and uh, to Ahab, and we've already seen his, uh, his end uh, in previous chapters, but now we're going to see uh, the beginning of Yehu coming after his, the rest of his family. And God told him to do it. And even Jezebel, this very evil, evil woman, God was going to bring retribution upon her own head. In fact, he was going to fulfill the oath that she spoke with her own mouth, which we will see tonight. And so in Galatians, what does it say? It tells us in Galatians 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And that's true today as it was back then. You know, if we, if we uh, sow the whirlwind, we're going to reap the whirlwind. And in this country, we have sown the whirlwind. And we're going to reap the whirlwind. And we are reaping the whirlwind. As we speak. But God has a way of bringing the things of the, out of darkness to light and ultimately to hold all evildoers accountable for their actions. And no one will escape the justice of God. And we're going to see that tonight. So notice in verse 1. 
Going back into verse 1 in chapter 9, notice it says, And Elisha the prophet called one of the the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth-Gilead. And I've already described to you the location geographically where this Ramoth-Gilead is. And they call it Gilead, Ramoth-Gilead, because it's literally in a, a mountain range called Gilead. All along the eastern side of the Jordan Valley on the side um, of, uh, on the east side, as you're standing in the Jordan Valley, you see nothing but mountains. Because you're, remember, you're, in a, you're on a fault line. And you look over to your west and you see nothing but mountains and holes and cliffs and caves and desert, you know, or, you know, rocky, desert, dry places. And so, get yourself ready. Take this flask and, and go to Ramoth Gilead. So notice verse 2. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Yehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshai, and go, and, take, and go in and make him rise from among his associates and take him to an inner room. And a lot of times when a king was going to be anointed, they would take them. It would be a private thing oftentimes, just a few people. And, um, and so this was one of those cases. But this Yehu... Uh, his name means the Lord is He. The Lord is He. Uh, J Jehovah, Jehovah we know as God, and Yehu, the Lord is He. And there were five people in the Old Testament named Yehu, but this Yehu mentioned here in verse two was the son of Jehoshaphat, but not the Jehoshaphat who was the king of Judah, because. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah, but this Jehoshaphat is not that Jehoshaphat. This is just a, a man that we don't know anything more about, other than that his uh, son was Yehu. And so, and the Bible tells us uh, in the next chapter, in, in chapter 10, verse 36, that this Yehu is going to reign over Israel in Samaria for 28 years. And he reigned from 852 to 841 B.C., and he reigned after the death of Joram. Remember Joram, uh, the king of Israel. He reigned from 852 to 841 B.C. Actually, I just said that. <laughs> and then um, for 28 years. And, and then verse 3, it says, Then take the flask of oil, he tells him, and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. And then open the door and flee and do not delay. So Elisha here is fulfilling what God had spoken to his predecessor, his, his master, if you will, before he was taken to heaven, Elisha, or Elijah, excuse me. So Elisha is fulfilling what God had spoken to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 17. And he's using one of the sons of the prophets to accomplish it. And so, um, so what did God say to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, beginning in verse 15? Well, let me read it to you. You can write it in your margin, but let me read it to you. Because this was God's commission for Elijah. Before God took him into the whirlwind by the chariot into heaven, he gave him three things that God wanted him to accomplish. Notice what it says in verse 15 of 1 Kings 19. He says, Then the Lord said to him, speaking of Elijah, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. So this is when Elijah had been running for his life after the, the, the situation in, uh, in the 
Mount Carmel where he faced off with the 450 prophets of Baal and he slew those prophets, remember. And immediately after that, he fled down south to Beersheba and then went further down to Mount Horeb where uh, God gave to the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. And so he runs for his life because he hears that Jezebel has got a contract on his head. So she's coming after him, or sending henchmen uh, to come after him. And so he takes off. And it's during that time that the Lord said to him, said to Elijah, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, and, and this is one of the things that God wanted him to do. I want you to anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Notice, this is another country. I want you to go to anoint him king. Go figure. <laughs> and also you shall anoint Yehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. That's the second thing God wanted Elijah to do. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. In other words, your job is done here. And I want you to anoint Elisha. He's going to be your predecessor. And I want you to anoint Hazael, king over Syria. And I want you to anoint Yehu, the son of Nimshi. And it shall be, whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Yehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Yehu, Elisha will kill. So these three things God commissioned Elijah to do. Now in his lifetime, before he was taken up by the whirlwind into heaven... He didn't accomplish all three of those things. Ultimately, they did get accomplished. But the one thing that Elijah did personally is he did anoint Elisha to be prophet in his place. That he did do. But Elisha would be the one to anoint Hazael, king over Syria. We saw that last week. And it would also be one of the sons of the prophets. And we just read it that Elisha would send to Yehu to anoint him to be king over Israel, meaning the northern ten tribes. And so by now, all of these things have been buttoned up. You know, Now the things that God asked Elijah to do, now were accomplished through not only his servant Elisha, but unto another servant. And finally it was done. And so verse 4 it says, So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth-Gilead. Now this young man here is not Gehazi. Uh, Gehazi has, is no longer Elisha's servant. Uh, back in chapter 5, verse 27, we know that because of his greed, he was struck with leprosy. And so this other young man, he goes unnamed. We don't know who he is. But there he is serving the prophet, just being faithful to do something. You know, and and I, I think that's just so wonderful. You know, The, the Bible doesn't even mention his name. And, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to know my name. He knows us by name. He knows us intimately. But he doesn't, uh, the Lord is not hung up on titles and, and who does what in his kingdom. You know, I, I want to have the heart, and, and perhaps you do too, that God could say to any one of us, I just want you to do this. Are you willing to sweep the floor? Are you willing to teach in the Sunday school? Are you willing to clean the bathrooms after church? <laughs> not me. I'm going to be the pastor. I want to be a Sunday school I want to be the worship leader. I want to be the guy with the electric guitar on my neck with the light shining on me and, you know, all the bling, you know, and all that, you know. And it's like, God's like, are you willing to do the smallest thing for me? Isn't that service to the Lord? And here, this man doesn't even have a name. The Bible doesn't even tell us what his name is. And I think there's something really wonderful about that for all of us that I that I'm learning. I'm not saying that I've learned it. I think I have at times, but then I'm, I'm also continuing to learn. It's just important to be a servant of God. 
I mean, just, just let it be enough to be a servant of God, regardless of who gets the credit. If you're serving under somebody in a ministry, do it your very best. Do it as unto the Lord, not as unto man. And God will reward you for your service to him. And that's really all that should matter. It shouldn't matter about who gets the accolades. And hopefully, the only one who gets the accolades is Jesus. Right? That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.